mercy, look at how the time goes. And welcome everybody to the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Uh, Hello, Bar Scott. John Allen. How you doing? How are you this morning? Uh, we, we've already talked a little, but we're both a little weary this morning. Uh, I think the whole planet is weary. <laughs> <laughs> the whole planet is is weary. Um, it's uh, it's a lot. There's so much going on, and and if you have any kind of a heart, if you're any kind of a thinking and caring person, you are affected by what's going on in the United States. It, it can't be helped. Well, and actually, sort of beyond that, obviously the things that are happening here are, um, I don't even know the word, I want to say devastating, but it's almost like it's more complex than devastating. Um, but the pandemic around the world and people hurting and suffering and dying and, and ill and all everything, and then couple it with this, it almost makes sense that, that we would tip over into this kind of crazy place we're in now, but... I, mean, I want to hear your voice. I gotta say, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, "Oh man, I gotta talk to you, John." Uh, well, and 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 likewise, and and just so people know, I was I was, uh, you know, I I respect people's time. I always expect people to respect my time, and I respect other people's time. And I, it's not my thing to be late to such an important uh, appointment like this, but things are in a whirlwind right here. Yes, uh, yes. and. Again, I apologize. So can I can I jump in? Do that, and explain please. Explain why you're apologizing, so that, that you don't have to. Do that. <laughs> that would be a good idea. <laughs> okay, good. So, uh, John, uh, John, as you all know, who are fans of his, uh, has been doing his podcast and his um, last week's podcast number twenty eight, which I have not yet heard, but I know exists and plan on listening to today is uh, his voice around the, the situation in the United States. And the media is um, coming to him this morning. <laughs> and so we, uh, we got it started a little late. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to, uh, to do what you're doing. So thank you for that. Well, th- thank you, first of all, for being patient and, and sticking around while I was almost a half hour late. So thank you for that. And I just want to say thank you to everybody out there who made that podcast episode number 28 reach the 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 media here in norway um i'm humbled (laughs) i really am Mm -hmm. it it was uh, for me it was a therapeutic type of thing for those who haven't heard it it was like like bar said it was just me telling people what i think should be done what can be done to keep this momentum going because i think we are in there's some movement happening now. Yes, finally. Yes. And you can see that in the streets. You know, forget about the rioters. Let's talk about the protesters. To me, as much tragedy as, as there is in the, in, in the death of George Floyd, I see some beauty in the protesters. I have never seen so many white faces in a modern... Pro- when I say modern, I'm talking about post-civil rights era um, protest for equality. I've never seen so many white faces. And to me, that is a beautiful thing. And I don't want to sound patronizing, but when we look at the situation that we're in, um, the, 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 the juice in my podcast episode was that we need more non-black Americans to stand up and stout, start shouting out and start making a difference. I totally agree. And I think it's happening now. 
And I think it's yeah. a beautiful thing to see. I get, I get emotional. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I was on that radio interview earlier and I, I almost mm -hmm. broke down on, on air talking about it because it, 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 it's such a juxtaposition of emotions. You know, the anger and the frustration and the pain is being met by, um, by, by a feeling of joy and hope because I see the makeup of the protesters. And to me, that's so promising. Yes, because I think one of the important points is that, yes, uh, the African-American community, the black community here and around the world in many places has felt this, you know, decades, centuries long um, pain. And so many of us have felt our version of that same thing. I mean, there's a huge loss for all of us that yeah. any population is, is oppressed. Yeah. And so there's... Um, I think there's a lot of people that understand that it's not just a question of of helping the black community um, survive and thrive, but also the white community will survive and thrive if we're all doing good work. The United and, States, um, yeah, the United States is only as good as its weakest demographic. Yes, yeah, that's right. So, that's so right. if the weakest of us are lifted up, it's going to lift up the entire nation. It's really right. simple. It really is a simple yeah, thought. It, it is. Yes. So complex to accomplish. But, yep. but the thought itself, mm -hmm. the concept itself is very yes. simple. So if people can gather around that simple thought, you know, we have, we have the, the, we have the knowledge, we have the ability to make those difficult commitments that will lead to change. But the thought itself is simple. And to see people try and water that down or drown it out by focusing on the rioters instead of focusing on the reason why there are protests to begin with. Right. And then doing something right. about it. Sorry, oh. I got a little distracted there. I, I had my email closed and then when we got late, I was trying to keep everything oh. open. So everything's stinging. <laughs> over here. And, 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 just, and bar just, just so you know, if uh, from time to time I'll be looking down, but that's only because I'm making a notation to, to make sure oh, I, I don't forget it. a yeah. thought. Yeah. 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 yeah, good, good. Same with me. So, <laughs> so, so how good. how are you? How are you experiencing? You know, I'm not I'm not sure where you live. Are you in a rural area? Uh, no, uh, I'm in a small city called Corvallis, Oregon, okay. uh, which is uh, sort of smack in the middle between Portland and Eugene. And okay. um, it's an interesting. It's new for me. We moved here a year ago, um, but I am I grew, I grew up in Philadelphia suburbs and okay, moved Philadelphia. to New York. Moved to Manhattan, Brooklyn, Woodstock, New York, uh, then to very very rural Colorado. Uh, extremely rural and for 10 years and then we moved here um, about a year ago so um, we've been on the move so Oregon I don't know Oregon well um, so I, I don't know exactly what the history is but I do know it's the whitest state in the country yeah yeah and I do know it has a, a not entirely wonderful history in terms of racism and and uh, the clan and, and whatever i, I don't want to yeah. say too much because i don't actually know it well but that's you well, know, that that's rhymes really that rhymes with what i know of, of history in oregon yeah. yeah yes yes so here i am living in a in a predominantly white uh city if there is um if there is 
a mix of uh, cultures here. It's There's a Muslim community here that's pretty obvious. There's a very real Asian community that's obvious. So mm. the... Um, there is, it, it isn't just white, but there is yeah. a big black community here. Okay. Yeah. But Sunday night, so just in terms of the, the local scene here, uh, Saturday, Sunday night, there was a um, rally that we heard of and we were, had mixed feelings about going because uh, there, it was, it was hot by then. Everything was, you know, things were really heated and we just yeah. didn't want to give supremacists uh a place to express yeah. themselves yeah. and then blame it on right yeah. you know, that whole thing yeah but then we were we decided we'd just light some candles uh ourselves at our home because we were very quiet it's a very inward time for for me and i i know many others um so we just uh lit some candles in unity while the rally was going on but there was so much volume coming yeah. from the city about 12 blocks from here and this is a this is a city of 60,000 when the 30,000 or 25,000 students at Oregon State are here, okay. but they're not. So it's a quiet city right now. And we could hear these, you know, you know, these applause and stuff. By the time we got down there, because of course it was compelling to go by then and we, you know, sort of our mood had changed. When we got there, there were about a thousand white faces, mostly white student age uh taking a knee and it was very beautiful to see and that and is what i'm talking quiet. about those are the scenes yeah. those are the images yes. that have really really moved me over the last few days yeah. hold can you just hold on one second sure. this is the tv yes. station calling yes this is just going to be part of the podcast um hello Gunhei. <laughs> this is john hi Uh, I'm right in the middle of a podcast, actually. I can give you my, I can send you a text message with my wife's phone number. Would you mind talking with her now? Yeah, that's fine. I'll send you a text message, okay? Yes, thank you. Coming up right now, okay? Yeah, bye. Bye. So that's just, we're just going to let that be part of the podcast. This is, you know, (laughs) we're, we're, we're capturing the moment as it is. I just need to send this kind, this kind producer a text message so that she can correspond with my lovely wife, the lovely Snoopy, mm-hmm. who you're probably going to meet before this podcast is over. I asked her to come in and say, and say hi. Oh, good, good. Let's see. There we go. So while John's texting this producer, um, for those of you in Norway, you're going to see him on TV on uh, Tuesday morning, I think, if I've got the information correct. Yeah, Tuesday morning. Talking. Tuesday yeah. morning on Good Morning Norway is the name of the show, to, tra- to translate Yay. it into English. So mm-hmm. that, that's, that is so surreal. Uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't mean for this podcast episode to be about that in any way, but... I, I don't even know how to express myself. It is so surreal. All of this media attention just fell into my lap. I've never experienced anything like it before. And it just fell into my lap. All of these different news media sources contacting me like this all in one day, just in the last few hours. It's amazing. I, um, so um, uh, can I take on the interviewer role for just a moment? Please, please. Um, because it's so important what's happening to you and to uh, your community and also the world. Um, so, how how do you feel? Like, how do you feel about your responsibility and your voice? How clear are you about what you need to say and all that? 
I'm, I'm very clear on what I need to say because what I need to say is just what I feel in my heart, you know, the mm-hmm. anger, the frustration, but the hope as well. Uh, I have very strong opinions on what I, what I think needs to be done to continue this, this movement because it is a movement that has started now. Um, and I, and I, the timing of it all, you know, if I, if I go back six months ago, I never thought I would have a podcast. It was something that had been discussed between me and, and Snoopy. She's been pushing me for a long time to do something like this. And I just was never interested, you know, and then, and then my son died and, and everything was just put on hold. But I, I started this podcast, um, when was it? It was the end of February, the last week of February. And I looked at it as something to do, something new to do, a new challenge to try and so that I could, so I could compartmentalize my grief about my son. Let me start something new. I'll have something new to focus on. And that means less time being depressed about, Mm. about the death of my son. That's the main reason. I don't think I've ever said that before, but that's the main reason why I started this podcast, just to have a new distraction. And now as I've gone along and I've gotten, I've gotten more and more listeners, I've gotten more and more interesting uh, guests with a lot of interesting things to say. And all of a sudden I realize it's not just a podcast, it's a platform. Mm-hmm. And yes. I don't think about my situation. I can't, lo- I don't really look at myself from the outside looking in. I'm just living in the moment. But, they, they told me on TV, uh, th- these TV producers, when they were talking with me earlier today, they told me that I am interesting to them because I'm sitting in a position where I have a platform. I'm very different in that I am a black American, and there's not many of us over here in Norway, but not only am I, just, not only am I a black American, I'm also a former cop. Mm, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah, I worked for yeah, seven for seven years in the Chicago suburbs. Um, wow. Right up until I moved here to Norway, I was a police officer, mm. and so so I have I have I've never thought of it, but they made me aware of the fact that I have a very interesting viewpoint. Kind of like I'm, I have a dual dual loyalty in their eyes. That's the words they used. I don't look yes. at it as a loyalty thing. Um, but, um, I have a platform and, and, and I'm using it now, you know, I don't want every episode to be me ranting about the situation back home in the States. You know, I want to have, you know, episodes like this where I can talk to a fantastic musician who I respect and who I'm looking forward to, to becoming better friends with. I want to have those kind of things too. Um, I can't forget up in all of this that I am also a stand-up comedian. So I want to have fun. I want to be funny sometimes on my yeah. podcast, but everything in its place. So, yes. so, so, so with that episode, that, that episode 28 that everybody seems to be latching onto, um, uh, that was my moment to use my platform uh, for the cause. Mm-hmm. And the way it looks, it looks like that was the right thing to do because now I get to go on national TV here and I can speak to the whole country, or at least those who are watching that show and, yes. and, 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 and put some, put some knowledge out there and make my call to action even bigger. Right. Well, I'm partly asking because I, I feel like as an artist, um, the question of what what my role is here as an artist, yeah. not as a not as a 
walking person, but as a person who creates and has a public forum, what is my what is my role, and do I even have a role? And it's it's uh, the the challenge that I offer to myself is I I don't want to I don't want to step um, out of line. I don't want to be untrue to myself. I don't want to suddenly become this person that I'm not. Um, in other words, the integrity of my um, of my person is ultimately the most important thing. Sure, absolutely. So, what is that going to be? What is what is that going to be? You know. And so here you are. You did the honest thing. You did exactly what your heart was telling you to do. Yeah. And and it is the right thing to do. And for me, like uh, when I think about what the right thing to do is, and this is the message I'm getting from my black friends here in in the states, who I'm actually asking, yeah, what should I do? Mm. Um, point blank, what should I do? And every single one of them has said, please keep singing. Uh, what can I say well, about you that? Go. You know, like for me, I sort of feel like, well, gosh, is that enough? Like just just posting little ditties. Um, I started posting little songs from my bike and my roller skates and walking <laughs> or whatever, singing yeah. along when the pandemic started. And for me, it was a big deal to have that much courage to be that raw like that was the challenge to me how can i sing without lights and microphones yeah. and sound people and 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 feel good about myself it's out of tune it's out of time whatever it is it's rough and sure enough that's what people are responding to and that's happening all around the world with other musicians and artists that are just putting stuff out from their living room i think it's wonderful it's i so think it's alive. beautiful and it brings so yeah. much comfort to people i can speak speaking for myself i truly enjoyed seeing you put those you know riding your bike and just <laughs> singing and i think i wrote to you a couple of times oh my gosh i haven't heard that song in years and yes and, yeah and what was it, one of the most moving songs that you have in your catalog, and forgive me, but I cannot remember the name of it. It was the piano rendition that you yes. did. What, what, is yes. that, what is that? It's called Love, Love is the Reason. Love is the Reason. And, good, yeah. good Lord, what a song. And, yeah, thank and you very much. So, so it, was, it, was, it was things like that that you were doing that, that for me anyway, brought, you know, you, you know, you sit around and you might be bored or depressed and you're inside and, and, and oh my gosh, COVID-19. And then you flip through Facebook and then you see a performance like that from you. That is so healing and it will take one's, it took my thoughts off of any depress, depressing uh, issues that I may have been thinking about, took my mind off of that for the rest of the evening. Oh, so good. that's medicine. There's a, there's a medicinal well, you know, therapeutic so effect. For me, I don't know how you feel as a songwriter. I assume your listeners know you also write songs and have yeah. this beautiful singing voice. Oh, thank you. Um, you, uh, you know, we we do these things, and we're. Um, I'm, I'm I'm not. I haven't thought this through quite clearly, but you know, there's so much pressure to make it just so, or get it, get it, um, whatever, just so. I'll just leave it at that. And then you just do it. And you don't really know whether anybody gets it. You don't yeah. you don't know if people are responding and you feel a little self-conscious. You feel inadequate. You're questioning yourself. You're saying, I stink at this. You know, I should <laughs> give up. All that stuff. And you just don't know. And quite often, um, 
you put something out that you think is great and it's the thing that people don't respond to and then you you put out the thing that's kind of weakish from your point of view and people go oh oh yeah and and it's so interesting to to me to sort of say oh well gosh I can do that all the time if you, if you like that <laughs> that's easy I yeah. can just do that and and it's so uh, it, it just is such an education oh for, absolutely for oh my goodness and absolutely. I'm so grateful so grateful here I am 62 years old and I'm just getting it that just singing is enough like I don't ha- I don't have to do all these other things and also I mean just getting older and saying I don't care how many people hear it I just need to do it you <laughs> do know you, do you do that. it mostly for yourself in the initial phase I do uh, I, you mean right now yes uh, right now I certainly yeah. do yeah. and 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 I would say um generally I do but I also am really aware as an artist that I need an audience like and not not like a uh, applauding audience not that sort of thing I just need that circle. I need reception. I need feedback. I need I, Yeah, I understand that. Now, I, um, because all these shoulder operations that I've had, I've talked about that on just about every podcast episode, mm-hmm. but I've had uh, so many shoulder operations, and I'm still healing from the last operation that I had last May. So it has really cut down my ability to perform. You know, uh, 10, 15 minutes with a guitar or at the keyboards, and I'm finished. Just oh, that dear. position of having my, my arm, it, yes. it just doesn't work. So I've been expressing myself through stand-up comedy but that stopped when the covid situation came yes uh but then after a couple of weeks uh i started getting requests i started getting potential bookings to do uh live streaming of stand-up and i had to say no because i need an audience just like you said you have i I have to and, and it doesn't have to be a crowd of you know thousands it just has to be some sort of a crowd, some sort of an audience giving me some sort of feedback. Yes. Have you been watching, uh, do you watch Stephen Colbert at all? I watch little clips of it. I, it that's actually not available here in Norway. So I go, but I do oh, okay. go on YouTube from time to time and look at clips of his show. Yeah. Yes. And that, that's how I watch him too. And it's been, it's been so um, interesting to see his evolution as a, as a uh, host, as a comedian and he's he's um, when he started his at home um, broadcasts, you sort of thought, oh boy, Stephen, this can be hard. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was he's still great, but you could just see that he was struggling. And now yeah. he's got it. You know, he's he's gotten into his flow and all that stuff. Well, so. well, this this situation has forced artists across the board, regardless of what kind of art it is, it's forced them to grow. Yeah. Either they're growing yeah. or they're taking a long break. <laughs> you know, one, yes, one, which one. is growing. Yeah. Which is growing. Well, okay. I mean, How so? That's well, interesting. Well, for me, it's really important to remember this, for me personally, to remind myself that in those periods of, of uh, nothing, where, you know, you just don't feel like creating things, nothing to say, nothing interesting is happening when you put your hands on the piano or pick up your guitar or whatever. It's been proven to be over and over and over again that those periods are critical for rest, for new life to come in, for just chilling out, like stay away from it because you're pushing, in my case, 
it's often because I'm, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm pushing too hard. I want something okay. more than the time is allowing. Yeah. You know, that the, the universe is not saying this is the time, but I'm saying this is the time. And so there's, there's resistance. And it's much better if I just let that happen. Just be empty. Be null. You, know? you have to be comfortable with that emptiness. Um, and I am, for, for me, it's a two-folded thing. On the one hand, if it, when, it, when it comes to my own work, my own solo, um, uh, solo project, if you will, uh, I accept when I have periods of zero production. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But where it gets stressful because I, is, is where I write for others. And they ah. need a song... And then I have to, I have to, now that used to be a big problem when I first started doing that, but I have learned (laughs) because I don't want anything that has to do with music, with my writing process. I don't want it to be stressful. So I've told the people that I write for or anyone who approaches me uh, for, for, for a song, I tell them, make sure that you are in the early, early stages of your project because I cannot have a timeline. I can't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to just come. I can't force it. I could force it, and they may like it, but I have to feel. I have to uh, feel. I have to, I have to feel some authenticity in that writing yes. process. I cannot force it. I can't do that, and it may have turned away a few writing gigs that I could have had. But so be it, because I have to keep that authenticity for myself. There's a little bit of so self. Yes, integrity. Integ- integrity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Some people call that selfishness. So be it. Maybe, mm-hmm. I, am, maybe I, I, I am writing for myself, but I don't think that's selfish. It's, it's about integrity. I have no, to. No, I don't. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm, I am different on that level. First of all, uh, what a thrill to be asked to write a song. I've never been, I've only been, excuse me, I've only been asked to write a song once and uh, really? so I don't have that I don't have that experience that you're talking really? about you're with, you know, your, with your enormous it's talent it's never I, happened well oh, thank wow. you you're very very sweet hey, I'm just um, talking true I'm just talking true no, thank you <laughs> um, no I, a friend of mine in London who's been a pal of mine forever and ever now music lawyer but mostly friend um, wrote to me sort of at the last minute she was putting together a collection of uh, songs about it was more, it was appropriate to the time right now where the, the theme was walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And I can't remember what was happening at the time because it's about five or six years ago that would cause her to do such a project. But she already had a bunch of people writing and it was the last minute. She says, oh gosh, I should have asked you before, but could you come up with something in the next week? And not only did she want me to write it, but she wanted it fully mastered. On our written, recorded, mastered, and that's a heck of a demand right there. <laughs> and I just thought, I've never done this before, and so I'm going to. And it was thrilling. Uh, it just, it just, I went, I went right to my piano. I started writing a song. It had the the title of the song needed to be um, "Walk a Mile." I think I, I ended up changing it later, but for the album that she put together, oh, she even, she even, she even ordered the the title. Yes, I mean it was. We all oh, had the same title. Okay. Everybody on the album had the same title, and it was just a question of how we responded to it. I, and I may not be getting that totally accurate, but I, I that was my memory of what we were told. Okay. Um, and the titles were were at least comparable to that. 
So anyway, it was thrilling. So uh, why am I telling you all this? You were talking about writing songs for other people. Oh, so in that moment, for me, what was so um, compelling was the deadline. Like I got, I got seven days and not only, and I can't play that well. So it's not just going to be me. I'm going to have to have somebody else play with me to make this more than just a crooked you know, bar Scott tune and whatever. Because <laughs> my early, I'm, I'm not a trained player and I'm, um, okay. it takes me a long time to nail down what I'm going to play. And even then it's, it's, I got to play exactly what I'm going to play. I don't improvise. I, I, I play what I'm, what okay. I'm going to play. Yeah. And I don't have a range on on, okay. on the play on the chops level on the playing level, so I that's one of the reasons my song my albums get more fully produced because I really do have to hire people or get my pals to to play it so it sounds a little um, more polished or whatever. That's brings us back to where we were before, where I've been saying for. 35 years of writing and recording that I just need to have all these polished people to polish up my unpolished act. Well, wow. What I'm learning right now is holy cow. When it's not polished, boy, do that boy, does that put my, my heart on the line? Doesn't that put my courage out front or my lack of courage? Like on the days when I see something and I say, man, I can't put that out. I just can't put that out. Well, that's, and then I do, I say to myself, have courage, you know, do it. And I was like, wow, that's incredible. And isn't that so fulfilling? Out, you know, and isn't oh that gosh, so fulfilling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Love it. I just love it. And, uh, and I, what I love even more than the fact that I'm doing it is that so many people are doing it. And I, it's one of the things that, uh, it's one of the things that I hope doesn't go away when we're back to so whatever normal is going to be, that well, there's still this spontaneous creation happening all over the planet. I love it. <laughs> well, does it bring uh, does it bring a new curiosity in you? This this yes. this yeah. Is it a, is it a curiosity that you want to try and fulfill with a new musical creation? Then a new project. Yes, yes, okay. and that's starting that's starting to brew, and so. Yeah. The, here's I'll tell you what a what a sort of um, writing fantasy of mine is uh, in the in the sense that I've been thinking about it, kind of wondering if I could pull it off for I don't know I want to say decades. It's been so long. Is that since my voice is the thing that I feel like I got at birth, you know, that's just what I got. The writing is the work that I have to do. That's, okay. I have to practice. I see. But my voice is just there. It's okay. just there. Right? Okay. So, uh, and yet I superimpose all of this other stuff. Like I could just as easily, and people have been wanting me to do this my whole career. Couldn't you do an album of country songs or couldn't you do an album of Motown songs or couldn't you do an album of ballads or whatever? I was like, yeah, I could because I can sing those things sort of not that, not that great. I mean, cause it's not what I love. What I love are my songs. And so you know, I'm going to sing my songs and not the songs you want me to sing. And so what I am, what I, the fantasy that I have is that I would write songs exclusively for my voice. I see. Which is to say, starting with my voice only. Like the way I write now and every song I've ever written has been me sitting at the piano and I start noodling on something 
and then I start humming along, <clears throat> excuse me, and then the song starts to build. So the yeah. instrument is what moves it forward. And because I'm not, a, I'm not really a, a, a particularly good pianist or a particularly good guitarist. I, I play well enough. I play my songs well enough. You do, but yes. I don't. I don't. I don't have versatility. My songs tend to be. Um, me just sort of working out chords because I'm trying to get my fingers to move uh, to places yeah. instead of having my voice move me to places. Yeah, interesting. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to I have time. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm slowing down or whatever, but that's the thought that's happening for me now. And all this response to me just sort of posting these dorky, the way I would normally perceive as dorky little posts of me singing on my bike or whatever, um, is really uh, giving me some confidence that I can maybe go down that road a little bit, even if I'm singing some uh, someone else's song. Well, that's quite that revealing. That's quite revealing that that you can that you can say that that is giving you confidence because a lot of people don't want to admit that they don't have confidence. Oh, a lot of I artists, know. a lot of artists, rather, they want to, they want to yes. appear, they want to appear as someone who is very, very certain, very, very steady and very confident in their art. So for you well, to... Well, we should talk about that because yeah? my experience, I, I agree with you. I think that's what we're trying to project. Uh, my experience is that everyone that I know that is creative is very insecure but it's, what I wanted to, to talk about is that whole, there's kind of a paradox going on because I don't know that I've ever said this publicly and I hope it comes across correctly or politely, whatever, <laughs> is that I feel absolute certainty about my talent. You know, I, I, I have known it for a long, long time and I'm not talking about my songs or my craft or anything, but my particular gift has been motivating me my entire adult life, if not longer. Okay, yeah. And that, no, no, what I'm talking about is my core sort of musicality, my singing, my melodic sense, whatever that, I don't even, I've never yeah. thought about it before. But it does motivate me or I wouldn't have kept going, right? Sure, I, yeah. I couldn't have. So, but the confidence, it's undermined by this uh, question of, but am I, am I, am I being honest with myself? I mean, that's one question. Or yeah. am I tricking myself? Yeah. But also, you know, the whole fraudulent question. Yeah. But then also, am I as good as everyone else? Like, I know, <sighs> you know, am I good enough to stand out? Am I, am I average or am I better than average? And you know, being average is a drag, but we're all kind of average. We can't all be exceptional. But we'd all be average, right? <laughs> you know, I'm sitting here nodding my head because that is a trap, and I call it a trap. That's a trap that I fell into. It's a self-made trap. Um, you know, there, there, there's a reason why it's just um, last year, last May, I believe, was my first single release ever. First solo single ever. And that is because of that, 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 you know, I had the confidence. I know I can write. I know I can sing. I know I can play. I know this. Yes. And there's no arrogance in that. That's just self, yes, no, self that's just self-awareness. Yes. But yes, the uncertainty comes when I start to think, well, are people going to like this? Right. Or I and start like to me. Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. Are they going to like me? So, so. I, will, I have said I have said publicly that the reason I haven't released anything up until now 
it has been because of writing gigs that I've had for other bands. You know, it's time to write a whole album for this artist or for that band. So I've used that up through the years from 2002 all the way up until last year. That's been my wow. excuse to not put out my, now I've, I've, I've been writing and recording these songs. They're, you know, they're in the vault and ready to go, but I've never let them out because I've been so afraid of how other, I love the songs. I think they're great. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think every yeah, song I write is the best song for me at that time. Absolutely, That's, I'm with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> but it was, that, it was that response or or lack of a response or lack of acceptance that scared me. You know, how are others of going course. to take this? And 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 it just, I, I'm so glad that I have grown uh, strong enough. And I think it's a matter of strength. Uh, I've grown strong enough to just toss that thought out out the window. Yes. And an album, two, maybe three albums worth of material would have been released in the last year since I've come to that realization that I can just forget about what other people think. And the only thing that's gotten away this time yet again is, is this whole thing with my operations and, and, and my, the, the death in, of, of my son and whatnot. But at least I have grown past that concern or that fear um, uh, of not being accepted by my musical peers or by potential fans. Well, I it's a crippling thing. It's a trap. And it's, it's crippling. And yeah. I have not entirely grown out of it, but I'm way farther down that path than I, than I was. In other words, I would say that I've grown out of it and then I put a record out. <laughs> and I find out I'm not. Uh, you know, where I write a book and I find out I'm, I'm sensitive to, to response. But here's, here's one thing that I constantly remind myself of. Is Let's take, uh, I always use Michael Jackson as an example, uh, and I don't know the exact numbers, but let's say there's 7 billion people on the planet. How many albums did my, even Michael Jackson sell? let's say a hundred million yeah. to drop in the bucket. It is. It's a drop in the bucket. Okay. So that's, that's one thought. But the other thought that really is, is more um, relevant to me on a, a smaller scale is that um, what I've, what I've learned over the course of my career is that most people, the general public don't like what I do. They're indifferent. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah. They're they're listening to yeah. whatever Lady Gaga whatever yeah. it doesn't matter yeah um, and I spent way way too much energy and time both in the music business and and just trying to get you know in the right venues or whatever trying to convince the people who didn't like my work to like it <laughs> yeah yeah what a waste of time because there are people that love my work yeah so. So that's that, that that brings you, you know, to this sort of marketing question, I guess, if you if you have that kind of head, which I don't, which is who is your audience and how do you find them? Hmm. And I don't know the answer that for myself, no. you know, I, I don't know. That's it's a, a whole other art, 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 excuse me, art form. Yes. That's a whole other art yes. form. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to remember because. Um, like uh, I told you, I put this new book out and I'm I'm, uh, you know, slowly sort of. Uh, throwing it out to the world and seeing what comes back and finding a way, correct? I'm finding a way. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm, um, and it's about finding a way to make music and to, and to stay alive after the death of a child, which is what you and I, one of the things we have in common. Um, I, 
I just feel like it's really important to remember that even the people that I love the most in the world don't necessarily love what I do. And I'm <laughs> waiting for that. You know, it's not that they dislike it. It's just not their thing. I you know, giggle it's, it's, because I have uh, quite a few friends. They have kind of this, oh, yeah, John, that sounds nice. And then you see they just kind of <laughs> move, move on to whatever they want. Please over. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, okay, you know, yes. thank you. <laughs> yes. And so that's when, that's when that question of yeah. um, acceptance comes up because that's when I realize that I'm really actually hoping that the people that I love the most love my work as much as I do. And that's just not the case. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just, just it's been proven to be over and over again. Yeah. And I can't, so it's learning to not take that personally. Like my work is really something separate from me. It really is something. Separate I see. From so, me. so you won't, you, you don't necessarily take on the identity of musician, singer, songwriter. That's just something you do. That's not who you mm. are. Or uh, so. Tell me how you made that connection, because I think I need a therapist in that moment. <laughs> 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 well, I guess, I guess I can look at myself, and and I and I can think of other other. Well, th look at somebody like Neil Young. When you think of Neil Young, what do you think? Oh, yeah, he's this brooding, uh, very deep thinking. Yeah, you know, those are the kind of words that come up when you yes. think of Neil Young. Mm -hmm. So that is who he is. But where do you get those thoughts of Neil Young? You get that from his music. So he, but is he that? Exactly. I, mean, I, don't, know. I don't know him. <laughs> exactly. I guess I get, and I guess that's a question that we won't know because neither one of us know, know Neil Young. Well, personally. But so, so I guess the question is: Is are you your music, or is music just something you do? In my case, it is very much just something I do. I see. And I think that's an important. It's a new kind of realization for me and I think it can change it can evolve over a lifetime because I think if you'd asked me that 15 years ago I might have been a less clear about that I might have said oh yeah I'm a musician yeah and and then I went I went mute for 10 years I mm. moved from New York to Colorado a lot of fairly traumatic sort of reasons for not that traumatic but you know an end of a marriage a, a son who died whatever I moved to Colorado to start a new life and I don't sing for 10 years, almost yeah. literally, like not even in my house. Yeah, I was going to say not even at home, not even. Not not around. That's okay. what's so sort of revolutionary internally for me to be singing right. these during this epidemic. It's like, wow, this is incredible. I'm singing again. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. yeah. But so now I'm, I had to ask myself the question, if, if I'm a musician and I'm not making mus music, who am I? Exactly. You know? Yeah. And so I'm way more than that. And I'm also not a person who creates exclusively music. I, I, I love to write. I write memoir. I write stories. I write poetry. I write lyrics. I write music. I sing. I make collage. I take photographs. Whatever. Yeah. I do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. And, I, and I do them all for a living. Yeah. You know, they all into this small little pot that I call my living. So it is so, so it is literally just something you do. It's not who you are, it's something you do. For but, me it is. But but when you write a beautiful song like like uh, Love is the Reason for example, um, uh, and you put that kind of lyric 
down on paper. Isn't that lyrical expression a part of you? Absolutely. There's no question. And I would also say that when I cut a piece of paper and glue it down on a piece of cardboard, that that is an aspect of myself. I would say that my songwriting is probably the most intimate it's the most personal, like one of my struggles this is sort of taking it off your question, but one of my struggles has been uh, that for me, the, the um, trading of my music, the selling of it, the commercializing of it is heart wrenching. I just can't do it. It's been, it's been a real fight. I mean, I've done it and I've been reasonably successful as an independent person. Uh-huh. I've done. Okay. But it's interesting to me that my book writing or my prose writing, I have no problem trying to sell. Okay. Why, why is but that? My music, well, because it's holy. That, uh, so that, that's where I'm coming from. In other words, the I see. music in general for me is a holy place. So that's the answer to it. If somebody says to me, could you do a country album? I, my only answer is no, because... I don't resonate with that music. I could I could sing it if you paid me, I guess, but I don't yeah. really want to get paid to do that because then it's no longer it's no longer in the realm of the of the holy. And when I say holy, I mean you know what I mean. I'm I not do. talking yes. about No, I know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's 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 interesting. And, and and when you talk about for example when people ask you why don't you sing a country make a country album? You know, I wrote a country album for Norwegian artist. And that was the first, that was the first time in my writing career that I actually had to stop. And this is a guy who is one of my best friends. I love the guy like a brother. He's quite a bit older than me, like an uncle. Let me say that, like an uncle. I love this guy. And, but I still, but I had to stop and take a step back and go through a little process and think about, okay, what is this songwriting thing that I'm doing? Um, because I'm very much writing from a place of, you know, this is me when I write, this is who I am. It's not just something I do. This is me. I'm putting myself on the paper to be sung by, to, to be sung by someone. They're singing my feelings, my thoughts, my observations. So I I personalize it very much. So, and I think that's a little bit to my detriment. That's a whole nother podcast episode though. Uh But, but I had to stop and think, okay, you know, cause I don't identify with country music at all. I never have. It's not that I didn't like it. It's just that I don't identify it myself as it. So, so that was a big challenge for me. And I ended up writing the, the album and I think it's some of the best songwriting I did because I, I created another, character i was i mean i'm not schizophrenic i was myself but i created uh, i'm gonna be this songwriter this is this aspect of myself that i didn't even know was there but now i found that aspect of myself i'm gonna create a character around that and i'm gonna write this album and i did yes i think that's great i i just think that and that that's sort of another fantasy that I would be able to write from a character's point of view. Mm. I don't, I write exclusively in all, in all genres. It's all about me. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, once people say, well, what are your songs? What do you write? And I say, well, it's the world. Accor- it's the world according to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and people, you know, you get it back to that point. Well, people think that's selfish. And I think, well, no, my argument for that is this is art. Yeah, this it is, is what art yeah. is. And people and will when label you write that. A song, 
No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, when you when you write a song for someone else, uh, it's still you. Absolutely. Very much so. Um, oh, now I forgot what I was going to say. Um, ah, I interrupted you. Oh, <laughs> terrible host. Terrible host. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but that was a that was a fun a fun little escapade uh, uh, writing that album. That was a moment of growth. That was a period of growth for me. I never in my life imagined that I would be writing a country album, but I did it. So let me ask you something. Would you be able to sing like a, a chorus or a verse for me? <laughs> right now? <laughs> yeah. Go on. Oh gosh! Let's, you on spot. <laughs> let's 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 let the podcast keep rolling. Maybe I'll come. Maybe I'll come back and sing something. Maybe yeah, I, maybe yeah, I will. Yeah, because you have such a great voice. Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you. I um, I've been, I've been singing my whole life, and um, being a musician is something I would actually <clears throat> growing up in suburban slash rural Ohio. All of the kids around me were listening to, yeah, the music of the times, things like, uh, you know, the, the classic, what we call classic rock today. You know, a lot of Boston, Queen, Van Halen, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was my introduction to that music. We moved to that place from the city. We moved to that place when I was seven years old. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. I'm hearing this different kind of music because my mother was very much into the gospel, R&B, soul music. Uh, and then I'm hearing all of this rock stuff from the kids that I was yes. that, that I was going to school with. So that's kind of the the roots of my musical taste. Mm -hmm. It's based in all of that stuff. Yeah. But the only thing is, I don't have a voice to sing that classic rock type of stuff. So there, there's yes. elements of that in my music, but it's different because it has to suit my voice. You know. So I'm very curious about that. I have the same, uh, I have the same issue where I have a, um, my voice is not conducive to full out, you know, kind of rock and roll or full out mm. uh, uh, soul R and B stuff. That's what I grew up on, you know, Philly sound, all that. Yeah, great. So great much music. good music from Philly. Just oh my such gosh, such great music. That's where Teddy I, Pendergrass. That's where I live. How's that yeah, for a voice? I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, <laughs> I love all that stuff, yeah. and um, that's what I listen to. Marvin Gaye, yeah. I love him, Stevie Wonder, all that stuff, and uh, that's what I listen to primarily. That's what floats my boat. And then I come along, and I've got this sort of pretty, sort of pure yeah. sort of voice. And I wrote this really, really terrible song <laughs> in 1986. <laughs> let's say. Um, <laughs> I did my first album, and it was not an album. It was 12 songs, but it was on a cassette. That's what was available at the time. This is before CDs were even dreamt of. And uh, and this song is called Pretty Voices, and it's really one of the worst songs that's ever been written. <laughs> but it was my, it was my, the reason it was so important to me was because it was my attempt at using my pretty voice I see. to sing about you know how frustrating it is when something big like what's happening now what what's what's happening now if it almost requires you know rah, you know yeah. screaming yeah um to be heard you know to pay attention to get the world to pay attention all that stuff and i don't have that kind of a voice so what do you do you know 
What do you do? Well, well you know, what, what you do is what you do because you right, have exactly. you, you, you have this soft um melodic uh you know i could i could hear your voice and and i i hope you take this the way i want you to take it i could hear your voice easily singing like those old late 70s early eight early 80s yacht rock type of songs because you have that musicality and that softness in your voice but at the same time I hear it's it's it, it a, a few things fell into place when you said that you, you lived in Philly because I hear yeah. so much soul. Oh, I good. hear I hear so much black black <laughs> soul you. in your voice when you sing. You put a little a little trill on the end of yeah. some of your phrasings that is so much soul. So well, you so you do you do what hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be that would be my uh my 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 uh, non-professional critique of your voice is that it is you have a softness that that belongs in in a certain genre, but then you also have that soul element that changes that genre that you that you actually mm. sing in, and it makes mm -hmm. it into your own thing. And I think to a certain degree, that's what I do with my voice because I, again, I do have that rock, classic rock pop thing yes. in me, but I can't sing that. But I do sing that in a way in my music. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm the same way. I mean, people, in the sense of, uh, I love pop music. That's what I love. I don't listen to singer songwriters. You know, it's just not it's not my thing. It's what no. I do, but it's not my thing. No. And that that's really sort of embarrassing to confess. <laughs> um, but, well, it you know, keeps you pure. I, it keeps you pure. Well, You're not copying anybody. You know? Well, I, I'm, sh I, I'm sure I did unconsciously and still do. I hope I do. Well, we all have our influences. We all have our influences. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, just um, just trying to find your voice. I, 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 when I was lived in New York and a little bit in Colorado, uh, I, I coached singers a lot, you know, sort of as a teacher, but I like to call myself a coach because I really know what I was doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, except I was I was a good coach, you know. I could get people to they were comfortable with me, so yeah. I, could, I could get them to sing or whatever. And the um, always, you, you, people would come in and they had these beautiful voices, and they would sing, and it was like there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. you know, you don't you don't need to learn anything about singing. What you need to learn about is yourself. Uh. In other words, it's the next step which takes you to. Gosh, I heard, I mean, I'm going on a tangent here, but no. a friend of mine took me to uh, a YouTube video of Ella Fitzgerald singing with Joe Pass, uh, the song Lush Life, which I had never heard before, and she just thought I would get it, so she wanted me to hear it. So it was great. I listened to Ella and said, oh, man, it's incredible. It's great. It's great. But because it was YouTube, it kept going to the next I see. YouTube yeah. of somebody yeah. doing Lush Life, yeah. and all of a sudden, Queen Latifah comes on singing Lush Life. I've and seen that. I cannot take my eyes off of her. I've seen that performance. Oh my goodness. I've seen that oh performance. That goodness. that was a shock. I knew she was somewhat uh, musical, but I didn't know uh, she could do that. Yes. And, <laughs> and just and, and you know it was so and everybody who's who's hearing us talk about Queen Latifah, go look at this video of her singing Lush Life. First Lush of all, Life. Beautiful. Yeah. You, you yeah. can watch her for hours and hours. Yeah. But what's so compelling for me is not only her voice and her musicality and the song is weird and great, but also that she is so herself, like her little idiosyncratic 
smiles, that little smirky thing she does. She, it is she a performance. It. it is. A, she's not just oh. singing. She's performing that song. But she's yeah. herself. But she's herself. I mean, there's she's no question. Yeah. She's not. She's not trying to pass off as some great no. standard jazz singer. She's just being Queen Latifah in the see, I get, dress. And, see, I get <laughs> moved. I get really genuinely moved by performances like that. That's the yes, kind of I stuff agree. that'll give me chills and and, yeah. and tears will start running. And, and I it, yes. that's that's music. That's performance right there. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. so one of the things that happens to me in a situation like that is. I look at that and I say to myself, okay, now what is it that's making this so great? And there's lot, there's lots of obvious reasons that it's so great. But one of the ones that, that um, the public might not understand is that because Queen Latifah is so good, all the people around her that are working on that video, that performance, are also excellent. So yeah. the arrangement is great, the groove is great, the mix is great, the mastering is great, you know, the yeah. lighting is great. Yeah. So there's a bunch of people saying we're gonna we're rocking the house on this one. That's because a, the singer can really nail this. That is a beautiful juxtaposition of a lot of different aspects of the performance, you know. It's not right. just the singer, it's the people around her and behind her as well. Yeah. Right. And you earn that, you know, you earn uh, those moments and she's just worked really hard she's extremely talented um that's i'm, so, I'm so glad you, i'm so glad you mentioned her because she's one of my heroes but i've kind of forgotten about her yeah but she, is she just one of keeps my, coming around yeah yeah she just keeps doing stuff yeah. and it's like wow that's great she plays gwen eiffel on a saturday night live uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <bit>. <laughs> you know she's you know what i you know what I wanted to ask you? Um, yes. When you have, when because I, I think your lyrics are very deep. <clears throat> um, you write about, it's just deep. I feel something when I listen to your lyrics. Have you ever written something and then people come to you afterwards and they're surprised? Or that they maybe are... Uh, I, I guess surprised I'm Surprised in the sense... Well, in the sense that maybe you've exposed something about yourself that they didn't know about. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. My mom. Okay. <laughs> it's true, but, you know, she, because, she knows. because this kind of ties in with my earlier question, or, or I think I laid it out there as a statement about your music being you. You know, you put, you put some thought and you put a little bit of soul into your, your lyrics and then people read that. And that's going to, to, some, to some greater or lesser degree form their opinion of you or their picture of who you are. Yes, yes. Uh, and and I, I would say that, you know, for, for those of you who are listening that are not songwriters, uh, there are many ways to write a song. And so I think the best way to answer your question is to tell you how I do. Yeah. Because then that might answer the question mm. a little bit or shed some light on it. But basically what happens with me is the lyrics are absolutely last I, I cannot seem to write a decent lyric until I have an entire musical environment to write in okay yeah. so that could be all the way out to this record is done and Barstow has not written the lyrics I might have enough to um, to hum along or some yeah. sort, of, sort of scrambled egg lyric you've heard that story about yeah. yesterday scrambled eggs <laughs> um so they may be lyrics sort of like that, but 
So when, when I'm finally in a place where I'm writing the lyrics, they're pretty much 24-7 in my mind and my heart. I can't sleep, or if I'm sleeping, they're happening. And there's a what happens for me generally is that there's a movie that starts happening. There's a, there's a, yeah, it's a motion picture that's going on in my head. Yeah. doesn't actually make sense. It's more like a dream motion picture. Yeah. You know, I might jump all over the place, but it's happening. And I feel like my, my desire, my hope for my lyrics is that the film will continue to run without interruption, without a break as the lyrics unfold. Okay. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as there's a, a, a jig in the in the lyric that doesn't work, something some word doesn't either sound right like sonorously that way, you know, it literally doesn't sound right. Yeah. Or if it doesn't mean exactly what I'm trying to say or I feel like I'm trying to say, I stay on that word until I find the word that I'm that, that okay. feels correct. You, you for won't me. you won't just move on and finish structuring Not the lyric and come back. No. Okay. Never. Never. Oh, I, I'll move on within that song, but I won't put that song out. Until, okay. Until it's, yeah. yeah no one gotcha. else is going to hear that song no, until, until you're satisfied. I feel, and, I feel really comfortable yeah. with what I'm trying to say. Yes. And that may, that may not be, um, I would say my lyrics are, uh, are not necessarily understandable at first. You know, you don't read them and get a storyline. There isn't a storyline. I don't write stories. No. It's one of the reasons the singer-songwriter world doesn't work for me because I'm no. not interested in song stories myself, um, and and I don't write them myself. No. So uh, these are more, if I were going to say it, they're more like art songs or they're more like poetry set to music. Except that's not really accurate because poetry is a whole different thing in my well, book. Well, but, well, your lyrics to me anyway are more of an image than they are of a story. Not even close to a story. It's an image. It's a feeling. I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. And that's good. For, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Because <laughs> I think that's right. Take that one. <laughs> yeah, take that one and put it on the back of your record. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes me feel good because that's actually what I'm, you know, that, that yeah. I'm grateful for you yeah. to say that because that's sort of what I'm what I'm hoping for. Well, that's and definitely the feeling how, I get. How conscientious are you? How conscious of you are what you're doing when you write a song? What do you mean? I mean, uh, are you conscious or like in other words, I, I do I work so so much on the level of feeling my way through this because I don't know what chords I'm playing. I, I don't I I guess I can figure them out, but I don't know. And I I you know I, I'm not I'm not fashioning myself after a certain style or anything. No. I just, I'm winging it constantly. Yeah. So everything about it is a feel thing. That's, so that's why I'm asking that. That's Are pretty you? much the way I'm doing it. I'm very much winging it. I, I, I am not a trained musician, far from it. Um, and I, at times, struggle <clears throat> to get the instrumentation because I do everything myself. Yeah. Uh, when I perform, I perform, of course, with a, with a band. Um, but the writing process, the recording process, I do alone. I have a friend of mine from time to time who will come in and throw down a guitar solo, but even most of the guitar solos is me. So I do all that stuff myself, and it is a struggle. A struggle. I enjoy the struggle, but it is a struggle to get the instrumentation, to get the musical part the way I hear it in my head. 
and mm-hmm. I may have to. I've wow, I've had parts. Now you you you've only heard the acoustic songs that I've done since my last shoulder surgery, but what I actually wanted to put out is full instrumentation. You know, bass, guitar, drums, keyboard, and everything. And on some of those parts and some of those songs, I'll admit it. I have had to work and just go over and over a certain oh, part yes. just to get it right. And like, okay, now let's record. Now I've got it. But that is after, that can be after an hour or sometimes days of practicing. But oh, that me just, too. But that just means I've grown because once I've done it, I've done it. So I've grown as a musician that way. Yes. Um, so it can be a cerebral process to actually get it out there. But it is a very internal, almost spiritual process. I feel the music. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, it's such a surreal experience. It, it feels like it just falls into my head from nowhere, a musical mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, that, so that's the music side of things. The lyrical side of things for me is it, sometimes it's a process of observation and then trying to <laughs> document, so to speak, what I have observed. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. It can, mm-hmm. be, it can be a conversation that I have with someone and something they say stimulates an, a thought or an idea. It does something to me. It means something to me then and there. So I have to hold on to that and try and get it out on paper when that conversation is over. And that's like my documentation of that feeling that I had at that moment. Mm -hmm. So do you write the lyrics first then? Very often, most often. Really? Because I'm the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But what I I find very often is that when I start writing the lyrics, I may not have any kind of a musical idea to begin with, but as I start writing, boom, that musical idea falls into my head. And then I have to put the lyrics aside and then very quickly uh, get in front of a microphone and record a melody line or some sort of phrasing, musical phrasing, record that with just my voice, just so I get it down so I don't forget it. And then I Mm -hmm. go immediately back to the lyrics and get that out while the feeling is there. That's most often the way I write. Most often. Uh Yeah. That's very interesting. Mm -hmm. Because I... Good. No, I was going to say, but then there's another side to my to my writing, to my lyrics. Um, I have found that for me, it has been a very therapeutic uh, thing. Um, previous experiences, uh, traumatic things, uh, or you know, a moment of heartbreak at some point, that that. I get this feeling like, okay, I need to get this out. I'm tired of carrying that with me. I need to get it out. Mm-hmm. And then I'll sit down and I'll write about that. And it may be so abstract that nobody even in the world, even the people who may have been involved in that traumatic experience or that moment of heartbreak or, or, or loss or whatever, they may not even understand that that particular lyric is about that incident. But right. I know what it is. And there's something, right. free, that I, I'm free of, of something when I do that. Yes. It might sound kind yes, of cliche like and whatnot, but that, that works for me to write like no, that. No, I agree. And I, and I, I, uh, I have similar, I, I'm thinking of one song in particular that has very much that aspect to it. And it took me, um, I started writing it when the event that was difficult happened when I was around 22. 
and I finished, you know, I released it. Let's see, what would that be? I released it 20 years later, finished it, because I couldn't, I couldn't, I gotta have some water. I couldn't um, write it until I got some perspective on the thing. In other words, for me in that particular case, it's a song called Hold Your Head Up. Okay, I don't um, think I've I don't think the, I've heard that one. Yeah, it's it's one of the few that, that I did. It's one of the few that I did that um, I played everything on, oh. and I and I really like it. Well, I, I definitely I like have to listen to it now. I did that. <laughs> now I, I definitely know, have to like, go back yeah, and find I did it. that one myself. <laughs> <laughs> and I do. I record my albums myself. I do all my vocals and piano and stuff in my studio, um, but all the overdubbing and mixing and stuff I do elsewhere. But um, in that case. If I had written that song at the time when the um, hurt was, and I wrote the first line then, if I had finished it then, the song would have been an angry song. It would have been a a hurting song. By the time I was ready to finish it, and other things had happened that were comparable, that would, you know, um, sort of fill out the lyric. Yeah. You know, other things that I could use to to make the song make sense. by then, I was saying, wow, I lived through that. And the people that caused the pain and who I caused pain to, we all lived through it. We're better for it. We're, we're fuller human beings for yeah. having done what we did to one another. And now I want to finish this song with the line, hold your head up. Uh-huh. Now, I didn't think of that. Now, like In other words, in the sense of I'm whole now. Yeah. I'm whole. Here I am. I'm whole. I, I've I've seen all sides of myself. You know. See, yeah, um, yeah. And so I'm happier with that outcome than I would have been with the outcome that says, you know, you stink. Right. Right. <laughs> <Or> right. <laughs> so so you so you feel uh, you can feel from time to time that therapeutic effect that comes with songwriting. Oh no that. question. Yeah. No yeah. question. And if nothing else, I mean, you you there's two sort of two answers. One is that or two things that might happen. One is that it's literally therapeutic, like you write it because, I write it because I feel crappy. Like in that situation, something had happened, it wasn't comfortable, I needed to write about it, I was hurt, I was angry. And I started writing a a lyric. And the lyric was, I have tried to see what is happening in my life. That was the lyric, that's all. It couldn't go any further. I've tried to see, but I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, th- so there's that. So it was just the therapy in that moment of, of pain and sitting at the piano and singing something. So there was that therapy. Yeah. And then there's also the therapy of crafting the song and asking myself, what am I trying to say here? What happened? How could I? How can I um, sort of improve myself? What was my part of the, of the problem? What did I do? exacerbated self-analysis self-analysis so there's that therapeutic level and then there's yet a third level which is somebody else hears the song and they write me and they say boy did that help me today isn't that a good feeling isn't that a good feeling being able to share like that yep and it happens you get you get some message from somebody 10 years later and they say man that song really did what whatever yeah and you think yep good I'm so grateful because (laughs) That's why I do what I do. Well, I, I just, I truly enjoy the entire songwriting process. And, and uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's gotten me through some rough times. 
Yeah. I remember when I came, I came to Norway, we came here in 2002. And so this would have been in the summer of 2003 <clears throat> that I got my first songwriting gig over here in Norway. Had to write an album for a, um, for a blues rock band. They're kind of going for that. They kind of were going for that classic uh, Doobie Brothers sound. Cool, mm -hmm. cool band, lots of talent. And I just jumped into that whole therapeutic aspect. And that album, I don't think I've ever said this publicly before. Uh, that entire album turned into a cleansing process so that I could cleanse myself from my divorce. I've been, I've been married. This is my second marriage. Uh, mm -hmm. And I had been divorced. It was ugly and nasty, and I put it all in that album without naming uh -huh. names. But I put in all, names, yes. but I put all of that frustration, uh, the heartbreak that went both ways, <laughs> and I put yes. it all, and I put it all into that album. And as soon as it was done, for each song that was written, there was another level of freedom, <laughs> another yes. level of being yes. cleansed, and that therapeutic yeah. effect. I've never felt it like I did for that first album here. Yes, and I, I've had that same um, experience where um, you just you put a bunch of songs together and you realize that you've just done it so that you can live through something. In the case of my album Parachute, which I think is the one you know, the, that's the, the one best. I know the best, um, the boat, the best, yeah. uh, the best. Here I am, I'm mixing well, Norwegian was, and English. <laughs> Forgive me. Oh, that's okay. I don't speak Norwegian though. <laughs> Did you catch that though? That I said something wrong. No, right? yeah. Okay, it. good, good. What did you say? I said, I said, I said, for the mesta, which means for the most for the part, for the most oh, part. For the mesta. But I said for the mesta. Sounds almost like French. Is it you uh, roll the R's? You can in certain words, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can okay. roll the R's, yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, I when I get uh, when I get un a little unfocused or in a hurry, I have a tendency to blend the languages, and and some people catch me, some people don't. So, <laughs> well, I like the idea that you're actually relaxed enough that you can go back and forth. That's that's a much better way of looking at it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm real relaxed. This is a good this is a good, good conversation. Good. I tell you, if I lived down the street from you, you would be invited over on a daily basis. You and your husband <laughs> to have a cup of coffee and just chill out and talk. This is fun. Yeah, except you'd have, you'd have to serve me tea. Oh, you, you drink tea. I, well, there you go. But you know <laughs> what? I, I did. You. Yeah, but you know what? I did not drink coffee until I came here to Norway. They drink coffee over here like it's water. Well, yeah. not, actually, not in this region, but up north where we have our other home, right. where the, uh, the Sami people are. Uh, they drink coffee like water up there. So I kind of fell into that habit. I'm actually trying to cut down on my coffee intake. But so I never, how do you sleep? Uh, well, 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 I do, I do cut off my coffee drink it by three or so in the afternoon and that helps. But for a while I was, I, I could drink a cup, you know, at six in the evening and then lay there like a dummy wondering why I can't sleep. So <laughs> but three, three o'clock for the most part, um, for the mesta, three o'clock for the most part is the, uh, is the cutoff, cutoff point for me. I don't think co coffee is not a good thing. I should just stop. I should just stop doing oh, it. I don't know. There's some science that says that it is a good thing. My husband's convinced that it's a good thing. Oh, he's a he good said man. it this he's morning. He says, <laughs> got to drink my coffee. You got to get, get going here. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> does, he, does he have any Norwegian blood? Maybe that's why. <laughs> he does not. He is, no. uh, he is German on both sides. Yeah. He's German. Yeah. Yeah. So I just drink tea because, um, first of all, I love tea. 
But second of all, I was a junkie on um, Diet Coke when I was in college. Oh, no, that's just... And uh, I just was completely a junkie. And oh. uh, so I was a junkie on caffeine. <sighs> and so I, I just, when I finally got off it, I got off caffeine altogether. So I don't, I don't it, do yeah. any caffeine. Yeah. When I do, I feel it. I drink tea. I drink tea when I'm singing. If I'm in the studio or even on stage, I, I got I gotta have some tea. Yeah. yeah. That's good good for the throat. So here's a here's sort of a gross question. Yeah. But what the heck? Uh, when you <laughs> sing, yeah. do you salivate when you sing? Yes. And do you have that problem with the uh, uh, not live because who cares? But when you're recording, uh, do you have that issue? I'm I'm wondering what you, if you do what you do about it. Um. I like to, when I'm going to sing in the studio, I like to be fasted. I like mm -hmm. to have not eaten. You know, if it's a planned session, you know, thing, you know, I have a home studio, so things can happen whenever. But if I have a planned session where I know I'm going to sing, I like to not eat anything for 24 hours ahead of time and then minimal with water ingestion. So that I'm a little, so that I'm a little bit drier, and I have like a smoky as aspect to my voice anyway. And when I'm drier, that smokiness comes out even more into the microphone when I'm going to sing. Mm. So that, that's interesting. Yeah, so that so that a few swallows of, of of lemon tea with a touch of honey will be enough for hydration, and it will it just it coats my throat and gives me that relaxing smoky thing with a dry throat other than the the small amount of tea that i take in during the session that's my that's my little routine that's my little routine there. so so for the so for your listeners that don't understand why i asked you that question yeah. <laughs> when you look uh when you record vocals in front of a good microphone yeah which we all have uh, it picks up everything, and yes. that can include the bubbles in your mouth, the tiny little crackles, tongue, yeah, everything. Crackles. And they have great software for removing that stuff now, yeah. but it's very irritating it to is. hear it while you're performing. So, and I try not to use a lot of those software plugins. I want my my sound to be yes. as organic as possible, especially on these acoustic songs that I've that I've put out and on the other acoustic songs that are coming. I want them to be as organic and real as possible. So I stay away from those plugins, but it's also because I don't have so much knowledge about those things. Even though I do all my own recording and engineering and everything, I really don't have that much knowledge about the equipment side of things, the plug-in side yes. of things. So yeah. I'm going for that organic sound, and and um, and then it's even more important that I get that vocal correct. So little right. things like coming in fasted for at least 24 hours, relatively dried out, you know, not dehydrated, yes. but but dry. Um, that is that is a very decided routine that I that I that I have. Yeah. That's good. Well, I just recorded this in my book. You know, I, I did the audio version of it here um, while we were in lockdown. Finding a way, and, folks. Uh, finding a way. Finding a way, yes. And the audio version, um, you know, you could hear all that mouth noise uh, huh. even more clearly because the, there's no music uh, to hide behind. But uh, so I don't use those plugins when I'm recording myself but my engineer who masters you know who mixes for me and masters and stuff he does he's yeah. a you know junkie yeah. head so he he does all that stuff and i'm kind of amazed that they can fix the stuff but like i'm saying it's irritating uh when you're recording it can be a now. big distraction yeah. it can be a, a huge distraction. distraction yeah 
And you it never are, occurred to me to, to dehydrate myself first because the inclination is to hydrate. And I think you're right. I'm going to try it. I think, I think it works well for me. And then also that fasting process, it does something to me physically and mentally. I just feel quicker. I'm more alert, yeah. not, not hyper, but just more, I, I feel more centered. I feel uh-huh. more steady. I feel stronger and, and ready to keep my focus for the, for the session. Mm-hmm. Do you get dizzy or anything if you're if you're if you're fasting? I have fasted um, for my record for a dry fast. Now we're talking dry fast now. No liquid intake either is eighty six hours. Wow, eighty six hours, and I was active with my with my powerlifting training. I still kept training when I was supposed to during those eighty six hours. Um, Wow, that can be a whole nother podcast. There's so many physiological things that happen that kick in when you're fasted. Uh, the quickest way to sum it up is if you think about mankind and womankind 10,000 years ago, um, uh, food was a rare thing. <laughs> you, you didn't mm-hmm. eat every day, you know? Right. Uh, you could go days with no food. But those people back in those days, 10,000 years ago, they didn't die. They thrived. They were still able to have, I mean, I can just imagine what kind of athletes <laughs> they were back then to have to be on foot running after their food. Right. So they were still able to do that even though they were fasted over several days, you know, right. up, to, up to a week maybe. Right. Now, of course, they had access to water, and that makes a big difference. But, but, but the point is, is that you can go for days without food, and you can still function optimally. Mm-hmm. Uh, the body's testosterone level uh, shoots up like 50% after, 72, um, uh, after 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, all of your n- neurological synapses are more effective when you're fasted after 48 hours. So there's this whole thing. The body says, okay, I'm ready to be, uh, I'm ready to be a caveman again. I have to, I have to function. And then something at a higher, at a higher level physically and, and mentally, as I said, I get, I'm clearer in my thought when I'm Mm -hmm. fasted as well. So it's it's just an interesting thing. I kind of fell into that. Um, (laughs) too much time on YouTube. And I, and I, I saw some people, uh, were experts in that field. I'm like, hey, let me try this. And I did it. So not so much now, but for the most part, I live, you could call it a fasting-focused lifestyle to where for the most part, I'm fasted for 21, 22 hours. And then I'll have a two, two and a half hour eating window. And it just works. I mean, it it, it works for me. And then every once in a while, I'll throw in a 48-hour fast or a 72-hour fast. That 86-hour thing I did, that was just experimenting just to see. Because prior to that, I had done an 84-hour fast, and then I wanted to beat that, and it ended up to be 86 hours. And everything went great. I felt fantastic. I don't recommend it for people unless you really know what you're doing, but, but... for me, it works. It's yes. a way. It's a way yeah, of life. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very way of life. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. How did we get on fast how, from from music? Well, and- no. Yeah, I asked you about. <laughs> I asked you about uh, how you sing in front of a microphone. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah. That's how we got into it. <laughs> Terrible host. What's wrong with this host here? <laughs> 
It's good. It's very good. Can I can I tell the story uh, real quick about how 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 we met? <laughs> how I yes, how course. I found you? Yes. Um, you and I have talked about it, but I want to I want to say this for the benefit of, of the listeners because this is to me it's pretty amazing. Um, when I released my first single, "Edge of Edge of It All," last year, uh, I was very new to to this whole thing with uh, you know all this stuff with Spotify and 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 iTunes. I mean, it was all witchcraft to me. I didn't understand it. So I was doing my research, try, trying to figure it out and all this stuff. So I go on, uh, I, 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 I put my profile out there on uh, Spotify, um, went to bed, woke up the next day, and I do a search on Spotify to look at my profile to see how everything is. And my artist name is John Allen. I don't use my last name as an artist, so I just use John Allen. So I type in my name, John Allen, and obviously, you know, because I am the technological dummy that I am, I had done something wrong, so my profile was not up on Spotify. But what came up was the song by you, Bar Scott, the song, John Allen. I'm like, what? <laughs> I pushed play on that thing, and I was just floored. Uh, and of course, I wasn't so arrogant as to think that the song was written for me, but just the fact that it had my name and it was, and I was in this real um, heightened state uh, because I, you know, the first time releasing a, a solo single and all that stuff. And then I find that song, and I'm like, wow. And I think it was that same evening that I wrote to you on Facebook and said, hey, I found this song. It's beautiful, and so on and so forth. And that was, that was the beginning of our long-distance friendship. Yes. That's how I found you. So, this is it's, it's amazing. So I, I'll need to tell, tell your listeners um, who John Allen is. But before I, I yeah. go there, I just want to say for anybody who's listening who's a songwriter or in the arts what to me is a miracle is that I've written, I, I don't know, I've put out 65 or 70 songs on various albums. And um, even the, the songs like John Allen, which is not the one that you would send to the radio station. It's, it's, you know, it's a kind of a B side song or even a C side song just cause it's, it's, it's not a pop song. Right. Right. Um, every single one of my songs has been picked by at least one person as their favorite Bar Scott song. Oh. And I'm, I'm saying that just to assure people that you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Like, look what happened by me writing this John Allen song. Yeah. We're friends and we're yeah. sitting here talking on, around the world, halfway around the world. And, um, I didn't. I didn't plan that. I just. Well, I was yeah. writing a song for my for my husband. You know, who's so the story behind John Allen is my John Allen, is that um, <laughs> my husband's my hun my husband's brother was named John Allen, and John Allen committed suicide um, a little over fifty years ago, and I don't. So I don't have the um, the advantage of having ever met him. But he has had a huge impact on my life because my husband and he were attached to the hip. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, it, it affected Brent's um, psychology, his heart, you know, whenever there's a suicide or a death or, you know, I see this big lug of a husband of mine suddenly crying, weeping or whatever. And yeah. I want to know who John Allen is. So the song is really me asking Brent 
to speak to me as much as he can possibly speak to me about John so that I can know him better. Yeah. And now here we are, you here, you and I are talking. <laughs> and um, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful it's the same song. thing, but isn't it the same thing? I mean, I'm getting to know John Allen, his brother, but I'm also getting to know you and we're all part of this it's, big human. It's kind of a beautiful, spooky <laughs> type of thing. Yes. It's just the way, just the way that fell into place. I mean, that, that's what music, can do i don't yeah. want to keep throwing out these cliches but that is what music can do it can do things like this yes so. And, and so what's exciting for me and again i'm sort of hoping you're hoping hoping some of your listeners are songwriters is you know to say to you keep writing you know keep putting your songs out and you don't have to put it out in the public in a big big you know circus kind of way just you can quietly just put it out there on yeah, just quietly put it out there and then see who yeah, finds it. Whatever and, it is. Yeah, sing sing yeah. on your front porch. You know, no, this is what we're learning right now. Yeah. Sing on your front porch. I mean, this is incredible. We live we live uh, basically on campus of Oregon State University. It's across the street. Okay. It's right next door. So we're right there. And there is a walkway called Campus Way. It's a pedestrian walkway that goes, uh, you know, from one side of campus to the other. And in the middle of it, there's this quite large um, archway. And of course, under the archway, the acoustics are fantastic. Ah. So I know that because I tend to see spaces like that and start singing in them. Yes. But as soon as the pandemic started, other people started singing in there. And now people rehearse in there. Oh, really? So you, yeah, you walk by and there are these incredible musicians just playing music. They're not they're not performing, they're practicing. They're, practicing. they're talking to each other, they're practicing, but they're outside and the rest of us wow. are hearing it. How cool is wow. that? How cool so is I'm that? So I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you and me and and uh, your listeners and anybody who hears this is play your music, play it outside, open the windows, open the doors, whatever. Let us hear it because <laughs> wow. I mean, I, my friend uh, Charlene ca called me the other day from Colorado. I lived in, we lived in this tiny little town of 600 people. And my piano was in the second floor of the, of the space that we could open the windows up. And I used to do scales. I mean, I was trying to learn how to play the piano finally at age, you know, 55. <laughs> I'm doing the scales. And, and for hours just to see if I could catch up to my contemporaries that have been playing since they were two, you know. <laughs> and she called me this week and, and we were just talking about her dogs dying and we were, you know, getting to talking about the world and everything that's going on. And then also at the end of the call, she says, you know what I miss the most? I miss you not playing your piano. And I, I walk by and I can't hear you playing the piano. Oh. And, and I was mostly playing scales. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was maybe better than that sometimes, but a lot of it was just me drilling myself. Just and, working it out. And you yeah. just don't realize. She said it reminded my mom and my sister used to play scales. And uh, you wow. don't know until somebody says, could you close the window? You know, like if it's bothering somebody, you close the windows or whatever. But yeah. quite often. It's really lifting somebody's spirits. We had a uh, neighbor uh, at the place we lived at before, uh, actually just right around the corner from where we are now. We we're in the same neighborhood, but we just bought a different house. And the neighbor over there, uh, he is a uh, he plays the violin in the uh, Norwegian uh, the 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 national orchestra. What do you call that in English? Yeah, the philharmonic. Yeah, thank you, the Phil philharmonic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and 
I would I, I, I used to love either coming or going and I would be able to hear him in there practice. And he, all he was doing was was running scales on his violin. That's yeah. all he was doing. Yeah. Every once in a while, I would hear him actually playing a song. But for the most part, it was running scales and just warming up and just you know getting yes. his chops. But what a beautiful thing to hear. And, and I miss that. Mm-hmm. That was part of living in that place, was hearing him practicing on his violin. Yes. Yeah. So I get it that that, that that had that effect on her. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, let me ask you, Bar. Do you feel better now? I feel better. I do. I do. So let's go back. Let's see. It's, we've been on for a little over an hour and a half, and we can go back to where we were right before we started this podcast. You were in a frantic, um, <laughs> exciting place of the national media trying to get your attention, and that's wonderful. And I didn't sleep well last night yeah. uh, because of some noises in the street that woke me up, and then I couldn't get my mind to stop. And the world is uh, complicating my sleep right now. Yeah. And this is this is the value of communication because I'm quiet again and uh, grateful to you. Try it. Well, well, thank you, and I'm grateful to you. Try and hold on to that peace and 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 hold on through it through the throughout the day. You know, it's it's nighttime here, so I got a feeling I'm going to sleep quite well tonight. I'll hug, hug Snoopy and the and the babies and and uh, and then get some shut eye myself. But uh, yeah, good. I forgot about the time zone. You're, you're, uh, it's you're 8 p.m. in the middle of the night, two, aren't you? Two, oh, two, two minutes after 8. Yeah, 8 p.m. Yes. But, uh, yeah. but tonight I have to go to bed early. I have um, that t- There's a TV crew coming <laughs> in the morning. So I have you to You are get- so cool. No, no, no. I, I value you. You're so well, cool. Well, it's thank great. you. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, and, 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 and let me just say this. I mean, it's tricky because... Oh, of course, it's exciting. You're having a platform. You're having your voice is, is uh, being heard, and that's you're articulate and wonderful, and we need to hear you. And at the same time, here we are in this yeah. so difficult situation. And and I just want to sort of draw that that tension and and and, and identify it because that's what artists are dealing with all the time. This 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 situation you're in is a a more difficult one. But as artists, we're constantly in that tension of, oh my gosh, I'm so excited because somebody likes what I'm doing and somebody wants to hear whatever whatever they want. Yeah. And at the same time, you're doing something very serious. You know, you're doing something that's extremely important. And um, and it's not about celebrity. It's about the issue. It's about responsibility. About it's yes, about responsibility. Right. And right. it weighs heavy. It does. And then, and then one goes, well, I shouldn't say one, I should say I am going through this thing in my mind of, okay, am I worthy? Um, or maybe that's not even yes. anything to think about. Maybe I just need to focus on how am I going to continue to use the platform? Okay, now there are literally cameras who are, that are going to be in my face and I have to speak you know, yes. I have to speak to the audience now and I have to speak responsibly and I have to speak effectively. And that's, that's a burden. But I, but I do think um, that the, this last hour and a half with you has just, it's kind of just cleared my mind of any doubt. And I'm going to take that with me when I go to bed. I'll wake up a little bit earlier tomorrow so I can have maybe an extra hour, hour and a half in the morning alone and start to start that process up again and, and feel the pressure, yes. feel the pressure, feel the stress, but turn it into something positive that I can act on when those cameras go on. 
Yes, that's and, what I'm going to try um, to do. That's what as I'm going to try. As a fan of yours, as a fan of yours, I, I would say, you know, you're you're so wonderful, and oh so my this, gosh. This whole, and you know, just that whole. I mean, it's it sounds trite to say trust yourself, but that's basically what I'm saying. But also, know that you've done this work, and I'm not talking about the work of being on television. I'm talking about the work of of self-analysis and um, exploration into your thoughts and feelings. You've been doing this work for a very long time, and um, yeah. we, we, we need to hear you, and you are worthy, and it's really important. It's just really, really important, and it's not so important that you need to sweat over it. You just have to go... I mean, it's so much easier to say than do, to just go be yourself. But that's basically it, you know? That's basically it. Well, that is definitely some good words of encouragement. That's incredibly sweet what you just said to me. And, and that, yeah. that lifts me up. That encourages me. I think I'm going to walk into this a little bit uh, more secure tomorrow now that, that you've said good. something like that. That's, that is some good advice. Uh, Coach, Coach Bar Scott, everybody. <laughs> well, you know, you know I'm just, I don't want to end it on that note in the sense of coaching uh, in this, because I feel like this is the fundamental human you're right. challenge. Yeah. You're this right. is the challenge we all have. Yeah, you're right. Um, every single day. And so you're going into it with lights on you tomorrow and Tuesday. But <sighs> it's really, it's the work of every single day. Yeah. walking through life so you know I, I guess what I'm really saying is just I love you and I trust you to, to do you know, to, to move into the light as yourself and uh, well speak. thank you thank you for that and much love right back at you and thank you, I, I truly believe that our friendship was meant to be there's a reason why I stumbled I why I stumbled upon your song John Allen when I was looking for myself and I fall into your song John Allen <laughs> So this was this was supposed to Very happen. Cool. One of these days when I get back home and if I ever take a trip, all of my people are on the eastern side of the country, but if I ever get to the west coast, I'm coming to Oregon. Uh, well, you, please you, do. You know, I was a, I was a truck driver um, for about 18 months after I got out of the Marines. And just about every state in the lower 48, I, I, I went through except for Oregon. I, don't, I, I didn't see Oregon and I didn't see Arizona. Other than that, I said... Well, you're welcome here. But <laughs> if you're on the East Coast, my people are all on the East Coast. I'm the only, Well, I have a sister and a brother in, in California, but you know, my parents and my sort of clan is yeah, on the East Coast. Yeah, so. Yeah. so if you're ever out there, and hopefully we're, we're going to cross paths. We're going to cross paths. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and it, uh, we're, we're trying to restructure our summer because we were supposed to come home here in, in a couple of weeks. We were supposed to be in the States, but all of that got canceled because yes. of the COVID situation and flights just aren't, it's just not feasible to try and organize a vacation yes. like that when flights aren't going. So, but next year, Next year, next year. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you and Oregon will be there next year. <laughs> yes, we will be here. Well, yes, I, we I, I want to thank you uh, very much for doing this. Uh, it, it, it has truly calmed me. <laughs> I was not calm when we started, and now <laughs> I am. So thank you for that. Thank you. I, same with me. I feel much better. Love uh, connecting with John. Yeah. This, was, this has been a good experience. So I want to thank Bar Scott, and I want to thank all my listeners. Gosh, I love you guys. Somebody out there made that previous episode go uh, semi-viral, and it has led to what's going to be happening in the next few days with all these crazy cameras and whatnot. So thank you to my listeners. 
Um, and with that, I say bye, everybody. Bye, John. Thank you. I'm coming home.